When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Ford and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Bob, here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have a new boy band in the <laughs> house. <laughs> get your grandma, get everybody, gather around your iPhone, your iPad, your iMac. And it's time for This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest, and here we are. We've and got some fantastic guests. We do. We've got a bunch of dudes here. Uh, <laughs> you guys prof- do look like a band. Prof- we're all wearing t-shirts, and bl- <laughs> black t-shirts and jeans. Uh, I, for- I forgot the uh, Brooks uh, running shoe. Yeah, you've got to get the shoes. The- uh, but uh, we've got uh, Professor Mark Young. He's a professor at the SC Business School, the Marshall School of Business. What's your official title? It's really, really long. Just <laughs> Professor the Marshall School. And Mark and I wrote the book, The Narcissist. Uh, I yeah, remember the, when the you mirror, were writing it. The Mirror Effect. And then Caleb Bacon is here. And Caleb, what do you want to promote? Hey, guys. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a television writer who needs a job. Oh, so I, I perfect. So I could promote my availability. Okay, good. But I've got a five week old daughter at home. So we'll the fact that, that my availability is not that good is kind of okay right now. How about the pod? No pod right now. What? Yeah. Why not? It's, it's just been on break. I love that pod. Yeah, we had a strange. We had a, I have a, one of the most strange pod experiences I had was because of Caleb. He came down and worked out with me, and we did we did a pod while we worked out. And fast forward like two weeks, I was in Florida at a gym, and dude t- takes out his earplugs and goes, "I'm listening to you and Caleb right now." <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was in Florida. <laughs> a work a workout yeah. pod. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about pods for a second. My phone yesterday, like when I scanned over looking at something, it said 79 pods. You know, on your pod thing, yeah, at 79 of them had downloaded yeah. that I don't that I'm supposed to listen to now I'm feeling anxious like oh I'm not I'm not keeping up it's funny, with was, all the pods <laughs> that I wanted to follow I was looking at that too I wanted to like erase a bunch <laughs> how, I, man, I have how many 16, are yours? 16 but I usually have like two <laughs> So Bob, is it, do you need tech support? Is that I what do. This is? I have John's right there. Yeah, okay, good. No, but I, because Marin, I, I always Mark, intend to listen to him, Mark but Marin. you got to be in the right emotional place to listen to those. Why did you ask so me that, if, I, if I was on Marin? Because he, somebody commented in one of the emails oh, oh, that said. you said something they disagreed with on Marin. Oh. But, you know, I, I just find like, he's, he's probably my favorite interviewer, right? But I got to be in the right mood and it's got to be the right guess. I have you know to what? be alone. You know what? You know, pods are not just put them on in the car because you got traffic. Yeah, you can't work out to Marin. <laughs> no, or actually, I can't listen to that show after dark. Like, but, there's there's just something about, like, the anxiety the in, in his life that you know I just need to be in a good place. I, I've been trying for 18 months to go to lunch with him. Would you, coffee, would you, will you help me? Yeah, yeah. Will I'll you join you us? Yeah, okay, yeah. let's go together, the three of us. That'd be good. I already yeah. want to move out of Eagle Rock or Highland Park. Yeah, Highland whatever. Park. It's all hip because it's Hipsterville. There it, now. Yeah, he's the most un. He's anti everything, and Hipsterland just crept all around his house. Oh yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so now we can sell his house and make some money. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Yeah, so that's so, Los Angeles way. I, yeah. I like Mark a lot, even even though he's negative and anxious. And but like six of his are there that I haven't listened to, and I'm like, ah, shit. Now I'm getting so far behind. You guys, do, how many pods do you listen to in a week? Oh, True. I listen to lectures. I don't listen. I tend. I go to on iTunes U and listen to college and university professors and things, and and some podcasts. You are still doing that? Yeah, still doing that. It's ridiculous. Do you? How many do you listen to? Uh I li- I listen to a ton. I, I, but what I li- are some of the ones you like the best? You listen to Serial? No, no. How come Serial is the biggest? I don't pod- get it. It's just like an old time radio yeah. mystery thing. Yeah, it's because it's a format that works. And it's also like, but it's been around for eighty-five years that format, but not an MP3. <laughs> so it's new to young people. You know what's what's new is old. What's old is new. But it's also like a shorter-term commitment. 
because the limited series is sort of a new thing for the pod world. Now, speaking of young people, that's why I brought Dr. Young in here, is because... Because his name is Young? No. So he's a young person? No. Oh, he oh. deals with a lot of young he, people. He's been teaching the business school forever, and he's in with the kids all the time. And uh, I figured you had some ideas about this, too. We, we want to try to help you know the sort of 25 to 35 or 40-year-old age group. And Bob and I are having great... Bob particular is having great frustration in doing so. Is that is that fair to say? I can't reach them because their mechanisms in their mind don't have particular ingredients. One being ambition. Is, is With the working class... Drug they addict. just mm. They'd rather not also. They just don't really care. I say, you know, because I've been motivating drug addicts for 20 years. You say, don't you want to have an apartment? Don't you want to have your own life and your own car and be free of drugs? And they go, I, I guess... They, they, you know what I mean? They're or they, not or they say, they say for, Bob, I don't know. What do you want me to? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Yeah. Uh, See, I think I have. And I'm not. I'm not marginalizing all millennials. I know also Silicon Valley is filled with them that are changing the world. Not really much at all, but they make <laughs> billions of dollars saying they're changing the world. We've had a couple on here, um, but. <laughs> But the fact You're it's true. Cynic. <laughs> but keep going. No, so, the, the world got changed by baby boomers. It's not getting changed by millennials. All they're doing is readopting or re. You know, is this about cereal? Huh? <laughs> You're saying that's not even an original idea. <laughs> no, but I'm saying Wozniak revolutionized the world. Yeah, millennials who invent an app that the porn picture disappears in an hour are not revolutionizing the world. So I'm yet to have a decision that millennials are so important. Okay, so baby Mark. boomers have had a profound effect on the way Western culture is. Millennials are praised as oh, they're the geniuses. You know this whole thing, Maker. Did you hear about this? What biggest seven hundred million dollar oh, yeah. debacle in history that Disney thought? Oh, they're millennials. They're cool. None of them have titles. Oh, we're just going to do whatever we want. And Disney lost five hundred million dollars. Like, whoops, because <laughs> they couldn't produce anything, right? So good. Well, <clears throat> see, I'm, I'm dealing, I think, with a, uh, a rarefied group. Yeah, really rarefied but, group. But I'm telling people. you, I saw symptoms of something that I, don't, I felt familiar when I spoke to your class. Okay, so I think there's two things. So hold on. I spoke to his class last week, and I, and I walked away. Huh? <laughs> and I walked away with the same feeling after talking to a high school class, too. And so that's why I figured you had some insights here. The thing is that many of these folks, you know, like in universities, have ambition, but it's ambition driven by anxiety. It's it's ambition from their not, parents. No, the the anxiety to get a job. The world. The world to succeed. Uh, once they get those jobs, it's not clear what happens next, but they feel enormous pressure and peer pressure to get jobs. So I think that. There are a lot of contributing forces, things like Facebook, where there's such social comparison going on that you know, nobody ever you know, posts anything negative on Facebook, right? So if you go onto Facebook and you just kind of peer down from outer space and you look at the general student population at a place like USC, everybody's living a great life. And so the, the pressure from, from their peers drives them in part to want to succeed. So at a university, name any university in the United States, when you're a student at these places, you've got to keep up with everybody else. Now, whether that's your true desire or not, I think that's another question. But, but I think that social media, Facebook in particular, creates this world for people where they have to you know, feel do, like they do have to Do you think succeed. that maybe Bob's population is falling so far behind they feel hopeless? Like impossible. Well, hopelessness is a a definite state that they feel, that there's no jobs. I tell them media lies to you all the time. There's lots of opportunity everywhere, but it takes working in the mailroom. David Geffen worked in the fucking mailroom. None of these millennials (laughs) want to work in the mailroom. They know Geffen because he sponsors the Gay and Lesbian Center of Hollywood. The the mailroom is a bar right down the street. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's very true. They don't know historically how you get to be David Geffen. And when you tell them, they don't like it at all. I think there's probably 5% of students who are getting their MBAs are willing to go back you know, to the mailroom. But that's a very, very small percentage. See, some know, 
that they really want to pay their they have to pay their dues. And my my the millennials I'm dealing with are more addiction f- community uh, working class middle class uh, not a lot of opportunities different than your population. But I can tell you they don't go to school because they say who fucking cares a lot of college graduates can't find a fucking job. Well, so it's the same attitude that job that that education doesn't lead to opportunity. Even if you did get an education, you're not going to get an opportunity. That's the media brainwashing them that there's no opportunity. Now, Mark, Bob, I, I think we've gone through a period. You're a business school professor. We've gone through a period of of really um, impoverished job market, more than we, I think we realize. Would you agree? I, so, I get so, it. It, it depends on how you stratify it. Yeah, it depends how you call it impoverished. But right. it just feels like we went through a worse period than we really realized, at least from the perspective of these kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was making a case to Bob that you know we need to enhance capital and funding of small businesses and you know finance and whether it's Wall Street or banks, wherever the money's coming from. And Bob immediately will launch into this weird diatribe <laughs> about how – People <laughs> – I've started four businesses in the last four years and never got money from a bank – I have a cash flow business that make, grosses $800,000 a month. You can't get a bank loan. How the fuck is that Wall Street or the banking industry helping small business? They won't give you a loan. So, so hold on. So you're so forced to go Bob, to – Bob, let, let fo- him answer. Okay. Him answer. Okay. See, I think a lot of it depends on where you're willing to start. So, for instance, you know, without – Wells Fargo would be a good spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean – I think that there are lots of jobs out there, for instance, for students with college. No, we're talking about creating no, talking jobs about banking now. Now oh. creating jobs. Businesses. I'm saying you can't go, you can't show, I'm a small business, I'm growing, I need help, I need credit, I need money. You can't, even if you're grossing $800,000 a month, because banks don't believe in business anymore. That's what I believe. So you go to so hold on, equity funds, yeah. you go to equity funds, or personal loans, or or. You do. I'm doing it. I did it two years but, ago. But that's equity, equity funds is a Wall Street finance instrument. So, so we have a couple of very distinct groups at USC. We have students who are entrepreneurs who believe they have a great idea and they want to get out there and, and, and create um, you know, a new business for themselves. And we've had quite a bit of success. On the other hand, the vast majority of students want to go into established businesses already. And the point I was going to make earlier is – Many of them just don't want to start at a low level getting into those jobs, like going into Wells Fargo as a junior executive as opposed to kind of a, a mid-level executive. So the problem that we have is students' aspirations are way too high for their experience levels. They have to pay your salary. They know those loans are going to be due soon. Absolutely. And that's, that's – Caleb, it's a really good point because uh, not that's, where the, anxiety, that's, what, yeah. that's where the anxiety – That's what the anxiety – Yeah. But the anxiety comes in because – you come out of SC, you know, and you're a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. But, but there, I think there's a bigger problem here, and, and Bob is sort of representing that. I, I need you to attack him a, or, or set him straight a little bit. The fundamental faith in how capitalism works isn't here. He says you cannot create jobs through capital. He's literally no, saying no. that. No, no. No, I'm not. I'm saying that the banks – we were talking specifically well, about the rigged game of Wall Street and the stock market being the indicators of what's happening in real life in the business community. I'm saying I'm in the business community. I have a, a expertise in industry. I've been in it for 20 years. I have an industry. I can show you the books. I can show you the cash flow. I can show you the net. I can show you the overhead. I can show you everything. And Wells Fargo – who doesn't mind being our bank, by the way, right. says, no, we can't loan you $400,000 to expand, to improve. That is happening to small business all across America. And that is because America sees these indicators of a robust economy as the stock market. So hold on. So let's right? see, let's That's go. where we were talking about. It makes me angry. Every politician in Washington, whether Democrat, Republican, Independent, Liberal, Left, Right, Center, says they all care about small business. No, they fucking don't. Okay. So go ahead. I there think, there think, you go. I think a lot of it, though, has to do with risk management You know, on the part of these banks trying to – Who are they loaning money to then? They're loaning money to low well, risk, low risk, well established that, that bonds. The, Bob, bonds, Bob. absolutely. So absolutely. bonds, Bob. That's Dodd Frank. Okay, that's the government getting involved in banking. Yeah, and then when you look at the mortgage crisis, you know, banks are pulling back like crazy. They have to become. They become have become very, very 
conservative, conservative when it comes to, to loaning Again, money. Again, because of the regulation. Exactly. They're being yeah. required to do this. Yeah. So you're blaming the banks. It's the government that has overregulated them to the point they can't function. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, that's, and I didn't, we didn't discuss this that's beforehand. A typical, no, but that's a typical conservative Republican stance. No, I'm no, assuming no. I know Now I know both of your guys' politics. Uh, no, Bob. That's <laughs> a, I'm, I'm exactly the opposite. Well, what, yeah, that's so a you're fact. Saying, that's simply you're a fact. You're saying Dodd-Frank, which was a Democratic bill. Who cares who it, did it? Right. Who cares? It, it, it's, it's not just that. It's... You have to think about the incentives on the part of people who are loaning money, too, because if they make one or several big mistakes, they're out, right? So they're extremely risk-averse. They're conservatives to who they're going to loan money to. And for the most part, their heads have been on the chopping block for a long time after the So then watch what happens in small business. So I have to go and I have to borrow it from a guy for a much higher interest rate, right? So then I have to reduce my cost to pay him back the money right or not forfeit my business to him so now the quality of goods i would imagine or whether it's a bakery in the midwest a treatment center in malibu a, a, a car battery place in las vegas the quality i have to look at the money and i have to reduce costs so that i can pay back the loan while i'm hoping to expand this gets your eyes off the ball you make mistakes in a situation like that and i just see i just see there's real problems of all of Washington saying they care about small business and a, a, a very, very kind of successful small business business can't get a bank loan. Well, well, again, I think it's hard to make really broad sweeping statements like that. For instance, have, have all the, your business plans been really thoroughly vetted by experts? Well, it only has a three-year history. So that's one thing that they wanted to see right. comparable numbers from somewhere else, right? right? Then you can lie like all these treatment centers do and say, oh, you know, and, and cook the books to make it look like it nets 40%. That's why all the equity funds went bust. What Bain went bust backing CRC because all those books were cooked. They were not making the net that they said, but but, but for some reason, no one was overseeing that. We got to take a break. Got to okay. take a break. We're right back for this. And of course, we want to thank our friends at Hydrolite. I love this product. It's an effervescent tablet and some powders. It goes into your water bottle. It's rapid, effective recovery from dehydration. Of course, that requires a proper balance of sodium, glucose, water. It's crucial if you're sick, been vomiting, or even experiencing heavy perspiration from heavy exercise. Water alone does not do it. Sports drinks are far less effective than this well-balanced rehydration solution. Simply, Hydrolyte's formulation is based on established, proven science. It's the best rehydration product I have seen. And it comes in great flavors like orange, berry, lemonade. It's available as a pre-mixed drink, a powder. My personal preference is the effervescent tablets you can simply drop into a glass or a bottle of water. Compared to sports drinks, Hydrolyte delivers up to four times the electrolyte and 75% less sugar. They're appropriate for all ages. Each bottle or package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. You can find Hydrolyte at Rite Aid or online at Amazon.com. And for more information, visit Hydrolyte.com. That is Hydrolyte, H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E, Hydrolyte.com. We're back. So good. I'm getting off. I know I'm going down a rabbit hole. I'm very angry at Washington. I think you're, they lie all the time, and it doesn't matter who's lying. And now, supposedly, this idea that somebody's going to deregulate everything and it's going to save the world. We just came it'll from get a, you a bank. That's, it'll get you a bank loan. That's what it'll uh-huh. do. It will but get it, you a bank loan. But but it also led to the mortgage crisis. That's right. That's so, why. So you have to have some cooler heads prevailing. But getting back to the millennials, they see this world and they just yeah. go, it's hopeless. That's right. I feel hopeless. So there's, I can't. There's, there's and hope. I know there's, there's a lot hope. of hope Caleb, and a lot of Caleb, opportunity. Give us, give us yeah, hope. Shark yeah. Tank. Friday nights at 9 o'clock on ABC. You see the American dream once a week, and it happens. And that's, other than that, yeah, there's not much. But that's one. That is true. Now, when I spoke to these kids, I walked away with a very strange feeling. And, and, and it, it, it all kind of somehow has got to tie together, and I'm not sure what it is. High school-age kids, when you talk to them about the reality of their electronic media and stuff, get very paranoid very defensive and start claiming the government is just like the you with the with the with the capitalism they start claiming the the government's hiding this from us like no you just don't understand no it's right (laughs) out in plain sight to me hang on listen to me (laughs) and and so 
they they get so in and in your group I was talking to his group they they had a similar kind of a convince me attitude and and, and the, the, but the thought, game is rigged the, that's the, what they the believe. thought in my head every time is the thought in my head is who do you think you are and not because you're not smart or you don't have good knowledge you have no experience you have no wisdom in these things you think you they, it's almost like they've substituted information for knowledge right and they are very different things and you i don't know how i'd convince them of that difference because they're so arrogant with their information that wisdom has no value does that make sense it's a generation of overconfidence am i am i reading that right no you're right and it's and i and i walked away i say is they have too much self-esteem for achieving nothing well it's not yet that, because you can't nothing. help a drug addict. It's all based on esteem, right? And they have too much self-esteem for being in the predicament they're in. <laughs> well, I think the access to information provides an overconfidence to some extent. You know, they, they, what they, these they students don't... read like crazy and they yeah. think they know everything, but they've had no experience. Yeah, and, you, and there is a gigantic distance. It's like saying I, I, you should be a doctor after you finish your second year of medical school. No, you can't do shit. You have to go out on the wards for six more years and experience this stuff then you maybe have some... some uh, so I don't know. Have you seen take. WebMD? <laughs> no, exactly. I, I go to WebMD exactly. and I'm like, doctor, <laughs> I'm basically already one. <laughs> but wh- what about in comedy world and the entertainment world? Are millennials different? Are, the, are the, the things that went on at Maker? Those kids are obviously different than older, traditional, established uh, kind of arms of, of entertainment. I'm telling you. I think that's where you see some of the most ambition because those people see new channels for like monetizing money pop culture right and and so they're they're happy to be in on the ground floor of of a lot of things and make you know make their own videos and do podcasts or you know have some sort of branded snapchat account like what, whatever it is so they don't think i'm going to go to the mailroom they think i'm going to create my own thing Brand. And they talk about brand a lot. Millennials know what yeah, brand is. Yeah, it's a, that's a little annoying. Yeah. yeah. They have their own brand. It's like, well, your brand is your freshman in high school. <laughs> <laughs> if it's yeah. a more lucrative brand than me being a drug treatment counselor, I can tell you that. Some of these kids make a million, million and a half dollars just being a personality on Facebook. It's crazy. Uh, well, another thing I've observed, too, is that the, the job market, because of technology, is, uh, it tricks people. Because I have some friends who have, over the years, have had trouble getting work. And it's like, well, I applied for 50 jobs today, and I got nothing. It's like, yeah, you were on Monster.com for 45 <laughs> minutes, yeah. and, you f- and your brain tells you you did something that should produce a result. But the reality is that's not how it works anymore, because a million other people did the same thing. And it, yeah, it how many job you. applications is a typical mid-level management position get a thousand three hundred i don't know what the average is but hundreds 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 and hundreds so you had to usually headhunt 20 years ago 30 years ago to find that person to fill that thing now you can just put something on in the internet and 300 likely candidates come to you i can tell you one thing though you know with a lot of these students excuse me um if you can find a millennial that has all this information They've studied you know, religiously for years, and they have this amazing ability. They're as good or better than any students I've had for 20 years. Well, Zuckerberg's a, a millennial, right? <laughs> so students, they're excellent. Is Zuckerberg a millennial? Yeah. Absolutely Qua, excellent. Qua students. Absolutely. And then if you can find someone with a little bit of experience who can extrapolate from that experience – they're off the charts. So let's look at, Zuck- let's look at the, the kind of icons of millennials. Zuckerberg. Jared Kushner is now obviously it just got released yesterday. He made 175 million dollars last year. Jared from Subway. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. He's in he's, jail he's though. He made is a lot he of money. a millennial? No, no. no. Well, he, but, he likes millennials. <laughs> Pre millennials. <laughs> yeah. Post millennials. What's the next generation? He likes that yeah. generation too. Post millennial. Kids. Yeah. Just... But but so, so I just. I saw that number of Jared Kushner. I was like, oh, my God, that little prick. Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. Doing what? what you, what's his $175 million he made in 2015. Doing what? I don't know. Obviously, we need to talk to the Nobody business knows. professor. Nobody knows. Ivanka's <laughs> empire. <laughs> right? Crazy. But, but, I mean, if you, if you take the top 10 guys like that, 
they really are absolute geniuses. Absolute geniuses, yeah. right? All you need he is- thinks he can solve world peace. That's a millennial right fucking there. Right. He has no diplomatic experience. He's going to solve the Israeli-Palestinian problem. I'm okay problem. with that, though. Like, <laughs> okay, try. What's the worst that can happen? Not, yeah, that it hasn't true. been going so hot for a few happen. thousand years anyway. What about space travel? Right? Absolutely brilliant stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's going to happen. But Musk is a baby boomer, right? Yeah. He's kind of is he a Gen Xer? Yeah. yeah. He's not a baby boomer. He doesn't baby. mind baby failing. Boomers, you know yeah. what I love about him? He doesn't mind fucking failing and falling flat on his fucking face. Yeah. And just get back up. Like, yeah, I fucking failed. We're going to go again. Yeah. Right? Definition That's of an badass. entrepreneur. That's an entrepreneur. That's not... That, I, I just hope that the millennials have that in them as a generation, but I'm very pessimistic or guarded about what is inside their insides. I, I think if you think about it from... A statistical point of view, it's the millennials have a really, really high, high range and kind of a low mean, yes. a lower mean yes. than, than and, and two the vari- variants. There's yeah. two like humps, yeah. some way down here and some way up here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the, the mean has gotten lower, but the variance has gotten higher. Yeah, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense to me. But was that in baby boomers? Baby boomers are the generation I was in. We were pretty much all in the same zone. We're all somewhere in the same zone. It seems like. Well, not this guy. You're a Gen Xer, right? Yeah, I'm 36. You're Gen Xer. I'm not quite. You're a Gen Xer. Millennial. Is when does it cut off? Um, Let's see. We should know. Yeah. Well, some people say different things. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like kind of born mid 80s at the earliest. Is a millennial. Yeah. And so that's you were born born before that. Yeah, I was born in eighty. Oh, eighty. Yeah, seventy nine. Eighty. Yeah. Oh, she's so looking it up. He's she's looking Gen, it Gen up. X. So Gen X was a good solid generation. I like that. There's some solid motherfuckers in your generation. Yeah, but they they, 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 they gave us fits too, though. You remember? Remember no, they, they all left them. college and they joined. They were good. They bought dope no. from me. They were good. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but thank you for that. But Gen Xers, when they were younger, were, were scrutinized highly as, as having left college and jumped into all the internet bubble businesses and being so uh, 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 naive about but how that was going to go. But they had a passion for life. I remember it. I was there. There was a passion at 22 that I don't see in millennials. And we wore condoms. Very, yeah. That, uh, was, yeah. A, that was a thing Rock we did. the vote? Were you rocking the vote? With condoms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the data. Okay. Uh, no precise dates for the Gen X, where it starts or end. Typically, early 80s as starting birth years and mid-90s, early 2000s as ending birth years. Millennials, uh, doesn't say. Sometimes for Echo Boomer. I think that was Millennials. Oh. Was that millennial? Two thousand. Okay, that was millennial. Uh, so, um, but so I'm just hoping that something something evolves out of them. But there's a lot of st- concerning stuff. One is um, they get so devastated by criticism, mm-hmm. so devastated Failure by fucking criticism. No, just even disagreeing with them or criticizing but that's, them. That's everything is kind or of being condescending failure. to them. Intolerance. There's an intolerance. Hang on, though. But 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 it, 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 sensitivity to criticism is a classic narcissistic symptom. So are they more narcissistic? That was the other reason I want Dr. Young in here. Well, I actually did some uh, after our book. Did some. But surveys. your book was about the Gen Xers were the narcissists who wanted to be world famous scientists. That's the part I remember. No, the the celebrities were the narcissists. No, no, but the, you said at how at. at, at at, that people were getting into the sciences, picking a science that they could become famous and win the Nobel Prize in. That's what you had told me. No, I don't remember that at all. We, we, what we had was we showed that the business school students were a little more narcissistic than the general population. Remember, didn't we right. have that? Right. But that celebrities MBA were, students. MBA students. But, but so what, what did you... But homeless celebrities were much more. <laughs> Way so. much more. Robin much Quivers. More. <laughs> and so how dare you? If I say her name three times... <laughs> And so, so I did some follow-up yeah. studies, <clears throat> just surveys of just giving the narcissistic personality inventory to groups of people and certainly found that millennials were, on average, more narcissistic than Gen Xers and baby boomers. So there you go. Yeah. So we're, we're, it's been continuing. And so boundaries, 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 boundaries. Yeah. And it's hard to have boundaries with them because they get so offended by boundaries. Well, I'll t- the other thing – Like I, I'll give you an example. 
there's phone rules change at the rehab. I come in, I'm the liberal, I'm the good guy, everybody loves Bob. I come in and they say, you know, they took our phones away. I said, who gives a fuck? That's how you greet me in the morning? Who <laughs> fucking gives a fuck? You guys are in rehab and you couldn't use your phone, right? You should have seen the look in their faces where they weren't getting what they expected, what they wanted. You know, I was just trying to teach them about, like, I just got here. Can we at least, can I get a cup of coffee until we start you complaining about the phones? But me just being my regular self, who I've I've been this way for 40 years, and no one's ever reacted, almost cried when I say, who gives a fuck? You know what I'm saying? That sensitivity to criticism is going to really hurt them. Well, that's a narcissistic thing. That's what that is. The other thing is tendency to narcissistic rage. So when you prick a narcissist, when they'll, they'll get rageful if you wound them. And then the other thing is, and this is my own theory, this is not necessarily in the, in the literature, but I believe this to be true, is that they like mass hysteria. They, they like acting out their aggression in groups. Uh, I, I really think that's what happened in France in the guillotine era. I think it's happening right now in social media. I think that's where the frenzy of the group is coming from. They feed off each other, but it's so individualized. No At least you're out watching somebody's head get chopped off. Right now, you're just you're just in a room pushing. No, a- no but they they get to watch somebody lose their job, and that's the public execution now is, is losing losing work, and uh, and they keep going. The rage goes, and they spin each other into these rages until they, and then then it's all stops. Look, what happened to Brian Williams? Heard word one about him since he lost his job, loses his job, stops. It just stops. It's it's like a like this catharsis. Well, his daughter's still got a job, at least. Yeah, it's like a catharsis. He's got a new job now. But do Caleb, you agree with me or no? Uh, Brian Williams is on MSNBC. Yeah, yeah. one thirty-seven a.m. Yeah. to one forty-two. <laughs> yeah. Nightly though, the eleventh yeah. hour. It's called. It's called the eleventh oh, hour. Tough, but his daughter's hours. got good work, so maybe she can help him out. The but girls. I'm just saying, she's on girls. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, no, it's a good show. <laughs> Since last season, huh. I'm gonna miss it. I, for the record, I'm a girls fan. I am. That's okay. Not, are you a fan it. all the way through of a show? Because I've, I've yet, I can't remember. Six Feet Under was the last show I was like a fan from the pilot to the last episode. I'm always a late I just always get lost when they're trying to, you writers, you're trying to keep <laughs> us engaged by making it more complicated. Uh, it's hard. With comedy, you shouldn't because if it's supposed to be funny, you don't want people to be confused. Then they're not going to enjoy the humor. Is that what you think's happening with girls? Uh, I think there hasn't been a lot of humor for like a, two years. I there's hate to a tell little you. narcissism in the writing. <laughs> yeah, that's my thoughts on that. A little, a little. <laughs> I, I, I just don't like it when uh, the New York Times tells me that somebody's a voice of anyone's generation. Uh-huh. I kind of well, remember. isn't the other gal, the drunk girl, the voice of the generation? Jemima. Huh? Jemima? No, Schaefer. The syrup lady? No, the stand-up oh. <laughs> woman that's so Amy? offensive. Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Oh. Isn't she the voice of the generation? No. No, she's like a mascot. <laughs> and I don't say that in she's a bad way. She's the first no. comedian. Comedian is yeah. the proper way of saying female comedian. Yeah, they love comedian. that mom. Yeah, they don't like She's the first comedian ever to be on a football drinking commercial that I can recall. I don't think Lucille Ball was doing that. Uh no, no, no. <laughs> I don't. she she might have for one point four million bucks for a day's work. Oh or, really? I'm guessing. Yeah, it's something like that. So will anybody do? Here's another thing for business. Is it okay? And this is something in Gen Xers, baby boomers. I think had an ethical question about it. I remember Boisky saying greed is good, and the public response to that of what a fucking asshole. Greed is good. We obviously agree now. Three generations, multi-generationally, greed is great. Having a, a lot, lot, lot at the expense of other people not having much is good. That's the way the game is played. Millennials react to that in a really strange way. They don't like that, that theory. You know, they we, want everybody to have a lot, lot, lot. We have, it's an interesting duality because... We have these programs, you know, at SC, where students are involved with a huge amount of charitable work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, an enormous amount. USC's university has something like 400 outreach programs into the community. And so what I've found is that students seem to be, millennials seem to be much, as more, much, in, much more attuned to that and, and social justice issues 
than what I remember of students 10, 15 years ago. And is that why they're not as good as consumers? They're not very, you know, the, all of industry is trying to focus on what will they buy, when will they buy it, what makes them buy it. And they're a hard generation to nail down about that. I, I think that's just because they're not brand loyal. They're not brand loyal. For, in, for instance, the Japanese. Do you know that, Drew? That makes sense. Yeah, the, the Japanese are not brand loyal I'm, at all. I'm, I'm Apple loyal. Oh. Like I'm an Apple loyalist. If they have an organization I can join, I will join it. <laughs> 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 They're also used to uh, technology changing. You know, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to be a CD loyalist when CDs go away. And I, I, I think, you know, you're a young millennial, maybe you had an iPod, and now that's not a thing. And they don't have a sense of brand loyalty and entertainment because whatever entertains them that comes on their phone, that's what's funny, that's what's cool, that's why what led to this, the internet stars is it didn't matter that there was a show on at 8 o'clock that had superstars on it with, from Friends. You know, how many of the people and Friends have had spin-off shows that have not been very successful? Because the new generation came along, they don't see television like that. They don't watch well, TV me, in those time frames. I, but I wonder if it's also, all these, all these issues we brought up seem to be affecting their ability to have a relationship with mm a brand or a celebrity or an actor or an actress. They have they have not only no loyalty to any show or performer, they have no relationship with them. Yeah, I they, ask them all the time what kind of music they like, and very rarely do they ever explicitly say, this genre of music or this artist or I love Nirvana or I love, you know, Snoop. They don't have that kind of passion. If I was in your facility, I would say the music of Bob Forrest. Uh, that's my number one. <laughs> new album. New album out now. Uh, but no. Bob Forrest Friends, 2016 Live. But, uh, but that's choice, too. I think there's just too many choices for people to really narrow things down. Like if you talk to my son, he listens to so many different bands. It's very hard for him to kind of figure out, you know, does he really like this Well, you band can figure it out. I've been else. in this since I was 17. What band will he go pay to see play? That's his favorite band. That's the one that's having the most impact on him. But why no relationship with it? That, that's the part that I'm finding trouble. Well, it's the same troubling feeling I had when I walked out of your class. Like, that troubles me that they don't have a relationship. The with other it. thing that's interesting is what has risen up during the millennials? You don't go see a specific band. That's because you go no rel- see Coachella, yeah, yeah. where there's just everybody's playing. I love playing. that band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to see Coachella. We're going to take a little break. We'll be yeah. right back. Yeah. Hey, and a reminder, everybody, uh, you can check out thislifepodcast.com. You can find the podcast there. And also, if you want to support it, please go to drdrew.com and click through on the Amazon banner. That helps us out, too. It doesn't cost you a thing, but keeps a little wind in the sails here. We're back. We're back. We all have lots of ideas. What's happening, brother? I had a kid. I know. Isn't is it she a millennial? I don't I, no. I don't know. She what, got any no. hope at all? Gen Z. <laughs> uh, she doesn't speak English yet. No, no language. She's five weeks. But It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, Did you for, see it on the, on the delivery coming on out? Uh, <laughs> I was there. I was uh, up, up with, towards, towards the my talking wife's head. Part, and, the you weren't smoking part. a cigar out in the waiting room? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did go to the sports bar to watch a game for a little bit. (laughs) But no, I was was there supporting my wife, and we thought it was probably a good idea if I stay towards her head and on her feet. (laughs) And I I was cool with that. We saw some videos in Lamaze class. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. Who who does those videos? How about who describes it as the most beautiful thing on earth? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was... It's a beautiful thing. It was fun. I just wish I could have had an epidural, too. (laughs) It's no, mechanics. no morphine. <laughs> no, no. Bob, I'm in recovery. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they don't give husband epidurals because <laughs> I was just curious. I was surveying. That should be a thing, though. Husband well, epidurals. They used yeah. to, it used to be standard to have a couple of shots of booze, I imagine. Well, half half the time they'd be like, "Okay, this is where a lot of husbands pass out." I was like, "Really? Maybe I need an epidural." But no, it was <laughs> it, it was. Uh, it was a good experience. Yeah. The ho- hospital took care of my wife and was happy about that. You got any TV coming up? Uh, no, no. I, I've got diapers coming up. Yeah, I bet. Instead- I'm going to tell you something he told me, which helped me a lot, is it's the 
father's job, because a lot of times you don't know what your role is, right? You just don't know. It's the mom is the primary major writer, director, producer. Yeah, I can <laughs> see we're, that. We're just, we're just there right behind yes, to behind. say, here we are. Yeah. There's another guy here, too, going to help you, too. Yes. Follow, Whatever you need it. <laughs> follow behind. Follow behind. What can I do? But you must- and I physically do it at Disneyland. Because I know she yeah. likes seeing me behind Chrissy's face. Like she, you know, you feel a little scared with all these people. And it's like, oh, there's those two faces I recognize. Yeah. There's the one face I like a lot. There's the other one that's, right. that's okay, too. Yeah. <laughs> Sa- safety is what they're, they're looking for. But uh, then tell your wife, as I did over and over again, how did you know that? How did you know that? How did you know how to do that? Why'd you do that? I had no idea what was going on. Do they just like get a book that we don't get? No, yeah, it's, it exists in their corpus callosum up here. They're using both corpus sides of their callosum brain. sounds kind of sexy. Now, what is that? Uh, Norwegian death metal band. <laughs> <laughs> really good. I pay to see them in concert. Yeah. So, so just don't because I've been there two times in the last six years, and you feel like, what am I supposed to be doing? He helped reassure me. You're just supposed to be there. Yeah, you just you just be there. Be, Do you be, feel that? I feeling? like that. Uh I don't know. We're, I mean, I've got some like writing projects I'm doing like at home by myself and my wife's on maternity leave. So we're both just there. So it's just kind of, kind of nice because we can focus on, you know, whatever kind of attention she needs the kid at the time. Yeah. So not too confused yet, but part of that's just because we have like a good kid. How about the And we first... don't have triplets. Hi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You didn't have that. You don't. Yeah, how about the first black poop? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Black? Or whatever it uh, is, greenish. The very whatever. first one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like black yogurt. <laughs> I need also a good band. I didn't know that was No, a- because they finally tell you. Apparently, and I told my sister that, my sister mom. She's like, Bobby, everybody knows that. And I go, how would you know it unless a doctor told you? Meconium? To sharp. That, the, yeah, 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 whatever yeah. it is. Meconium right? is sort of what happens during the delivery. But you notice that Bob slipped in sister mom? I've heard, yeah, I've you heard, did I've hear, heard that. That. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. But yeah. so, so apparently, moms used to tell moms stuff, and dads didn't even know about things. And we would have never seen that poop if we were dads in to, 1961. To be fair, we never would women, have seen it. Women always were the were the part of the human species that shared cultural and organic information. Men were we had no interest. So literally, even if they told us, we wouldn't listen. Because it didn't apply to us? We'd just be like, oh, baby poop. Why are you telling me about baby poop? <laughs> yeah, why would the, women... Don't you have to pay attention to baby poop? As now a you modern do. 21st century dad? <laughs> yeah, but what if she, his wife had told him four years ago? You think he'd remember it now? <laughs> no, no. no. I, like, I have a bunch of kids or friends who've had kids in the past few years, and I did not care about anything they had to say. Right. And then right. like a few months ago, it was like, so what do you do when that happens? Yeah, that's the male, <laughs> that's the male system. That's now, the male it's like, okay, system. now it's go time. Yeah. yeah. What, what, and I'm, I'm all in. I'm paying attention. But I'm, it, it, I'm curious. I'm reading books, yeah. listening to podcasts that aren't good at all, but about <laughs> pregnancy stuff. Like, all right. Did you go to natural birthing classes? Just because we live in L.A., yeah. you're saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. You have to go. No, no, we went we went to Lamaze, but we didn't do any like Bradley method or underwater orgasmic home birth. Yeah, orgasmic home birth is big. We had the lady on here. Yeah, she was good. Yeah, she's good. It made me yeah. want to have a baby. At home. Well, this orgasmic you get the kiddie pool yeah, or whatever. Whole kind of thing. I, no, we went I mean, to as a, do- as a doctor heard about this. <laughs> have you heard about this orgasmic <laughs> no. birthing? Oh my gosh! You'll have to try it. It's a real, <laughs> yeah. it's a real Bob, thing. Bob loves it. They had the woman on. Yeah, I, apparently I just knew to of some women, <laughs> it's like the entire time is like having an orgasm. My wife said the opposite. <laughs> yeah, that I, that was for sure. They were like, there was not like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It was not even close. Not even close to that. No. Okay, so just every it, take, it takes all kinds, takes all kinds to make this beautiful world we have. But there's pro, there's obviously a trick to it. If there was, everybody could try to find it. Did she tell you on the show? She just said there was one certain women have that yeah, response. That to we it. were obviating or obfuscating that possibility by giving the epidurals. You didn't learn that in med school? No. They didn't teach you about the orgasmic birth? Didn't see anything like that. <laughs> no. Even. See, more information. Lots of, lots of babies. But more no. information. So then you, you stand home. Do you get a, you get a, a cabin fever? I found for the first time 
this might sound hyperbolic, but for the first time in my life, I found myself bored. Like wow. I, I don't get bored, but I just ran out of things. I had like. Isn't the had, baby always keeping you busy? No, because what she can't talk. <laughs> she she sleeps a lot. Like I'm just kind of waiting for. It, sometimes I'll stay up with her, and my wife will go to sleep, and then you know my daughter will be sort of sleeping, figuring out if she wants to go to sleep, and I'm like, all right, DVR is empty. Mm-hmm. Finally, Netflix. I go to watch it, and like there's nothing that's in English anymore. Oh, really? Have you guys noticed that? No. no, I'm like, oh, this is a cool looking new box cover for something. I click on it, and it, you know, it's like a Korean crime. Maybe thing your or, settings are off. Yeah, your settings sound weird. Th- Netflix is just so. And I'm not against reading, but I would prefer <laughs> it being a book, not on Netflix. <laughs> well, so, so when you're, you, so you don't get Captain people you're getting a little bored. What I've found is great. Like, we'll just say, let's go to the village. That's what that's code at my house. It means we're just going to go in the car and we're going to go down to Claremont Village for like 11 minutes <laughs> and then we're going to go back home. But it seems like you really did something. Yeah. Because you got to pack the car. Yeah, you got to pack the car. You got to yeah. stroll her up. You got to do this. You got to get the bag. You got to get this. You got to get breast milk and out of the fridge and warm it up and we got to go. Okay. There was a lot of distracting activities done in the name of not crying. Just to go to <laughs> Jamba Juice is literally, it'll clear up your boredom. Okay. Uh, it's more like kind of at the end of the night where. Where I'm tired and I just don't have like enough brain power to maybe open up a book or something that I'll like really care about. I'm I don't just... understand why you stopped your podcast. Because I knew I was going to have a kid. I know, but it's it great material for you. Yeah, I don't. I just got busy with other stuff and uh-huh. I put it on hold. And now I'm like, a, you don't strike yeah. me as somebody who wants to use the baby as material. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm kind of conflicted about that. Like, do I put? pictures online i mean i have to a little bit of an extent but i'm like then do i want to get validation based upon how many facebook people like your kid yeah it's like ah she's cuter than 300 likes you know what i'll tell you a sad thing (laughs) so i put a i put a picture of my baby up got like 240 likes i put an obituary of a girl who died in orange county 2,500 likes. And so I was trying to measure, like, this is what the world cares about. Like, they like obituaries over baby pictures. Well, that it's, was dramatic. It's, but thing. it's weird. It's, you got to say, it's a cultural yeah. weirdness thing there. Because you would think everybody that goes on my page would go, oh, it's a baby. Even if it's ugly, well, I'll just click on it to by make the, way, the parents feel better. I, I, think you'd have, <laughs> I, I would have clicked on it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd have some sort of commentary, though, if, when, if it flipped. You'd go, oh, look, at all they can do is click on the babies. They don't care about this woman and her, and her struggle with heroin addiction. That's probably true. You know me too well. <laughs> I'm a contrarian, is what Drew is saying. No matter what. But I found Maybe it it's who you're friends with, though. I'm friends with a bunch of drug addicts. <laughs> they prefer death to life. Yeah. <laughs> like the, yo- the promise of like a young life, it's like, eh. <laughs> Whatever. It's never going to happen to what me. The- I ask millennials all the time if they want to have a family. Most of them can't even, haven't with even you? thought of that. No, just in general. Oh. Haven't even thought of that. Do you find I thought that- of that when I was like 14 when I saw the Waltons. I was like, someday I'm going to be the dad and I'm going to have a bunch of kids. Marcy. They've never even thought of it. I, th- I think they thought of it. I think the incidence of, of divorce, especially second and third, you know, divorces in families. I got that. You know, makes it tough. Why would you want to do it? They see marriage. They either over-idealize their ability to do it and say it's going to be perfect and we're not going to make the state right. mistakes they made, which, of course, they make. Or, or they don't have any faith in it and say, why should I put myself in There's that, that category of, of millennials that I've now experienced down in Orange County, which are more professionals and whatever. They're way, way focused on the price tag of their wedding. Oh, They'll tell it to God. you. God. They'll tell it what to you. What a waste. Like, what a weird – like, wouldn't it be better to buy a house? Yeah. That's what I always think because, you know – <laughs> Do you know that there's a such thing as a million dollar wedding and then a five hundred thousand dollar wedding and then a three hundred thousand dollar wedding <laughs> is like what? Like your first one's a million, your second is half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a no, starter wedding. They learn. do these elaborate weddings. It's the big deal in upper middle class Orange County. These uh, elaborate weddings. I was at uh, KTLA the other day, and I guess I tweeted something that Sam Rubin quoted, and it was the following: "Far too many beautiful weddings and terrible marriages." Oh, 
That got you a lot of hate mail. Well, but it's true. <laughs> it did get you a lot of more. And that wasn't bad because people agreed. They're like, yeah, people spend a lot of money on weddings for crappy marriages that don't last. So that's that idealized thing. I know start, what that is. It needs to start out in the most fabulous, celebratory, money is no object or cost is no problem because – it's going to last forever, and then you know you have it. And depends who's paying for it. It's always the parents, right? Parents usually. Yeah, yeah for those big ones, the, the ma, the the girls' parents, the girls' parents. Yeah, girls. Yeah. See, I don't know that that's a tradition anymore. I think it's like a fifty-fifty split when you're getting up in the three hundred k, five hundred k realm. Listen, I, in New I York think it's City, a fifty-fifty split. In New York City, they have these crazy weddings and bar mitzvahs where Aerosmith plays, and they have like multi-million-dollar weddings and bar mitzvahs. Didn't you get paid one hundred fifty grand to sing the national anthem at someone's wedding? I did not, no. but you but should. You should. Yeah. <laughs> you should. You should. That would be opening. You know what? If you got your minister license, do you know how much people would pay for you to marry them, Drew? Oh Think about that. Susan. Caleb, can you set that up? Look Ladies and gentlemen, from Teen Mom, <laughs> your host, yeah. slash official. I was at a beautiful wedding a couple months ago. The couple had been married multiple times, I imagine. They had multiple, lots of kids that were on stage with them, some grown, grown adult kids. It was so cool. It was just simple. And the guy played guitar and sang to the girl. Yeah. Like a, a song that they liked. It was real simple it's and obviously real nice. Obviously, he's a very loving guy. It's his third marriage. <laughs> yeah. A lot of love to give. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. But, but uh, so back to the millennial thing. Have we, have we walked away with any deeper understanding of uh, what those? I have hope are? for them. I do too. I think everyone has hope for them. But yeah, I, I think I like that you see it the way I, I'm poking at Dr. Young. That he sees what I see in terms of the the experience uh, information gap. It's 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 creating some characterological issues that's fueling feeding on their narcissism. But but again, I would go back to the anxiety issue as well. I mean, I. It just seems to me that anxiety in society is at an all-time high. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but among young people, they're just tense. Well, it's I mean, funny. I, was, I sat in the bed this morning. I go, what is the matter with me? I'm, I, I am worried about everything. I said, and what did I say? I said, maybe it's the news media that's getting to me finally. But I really was unhappy. I'm like, but part of it was thinking about this, the kids. Part of it was thinking about your stuff, the job market, and what the hell that's going to yeah. work, how this is going to go. Uh, so I, I I guess I'm guilty of feeling it. But too. think about what our kids have gone through with private schools in Pasadena. Yeah. The anxiety that we felt as parents. Oh yeah. To get them in, getting them there, Oaks? getting them through. Pacific and then, Oaks. No, no, the Poly, oh, Poly, Polytechnic. Poly, the, is yeah. that harder than Pacific Oaks? Oh yeah. Pacific Oaks is one of the f- a couple. Those get to go to the you know the higher. But Pacific here. Oaks had to cut down because they were overextended. They 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 were having too many students. So it was a big hubbub there. All right, fine. My daughter won't go there. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a mess. Are you in in two years? We'll prognosticate this now. You're going to start knowing this anxiety of where is your kid going to go to preschool? You have to sign up now. You have to sign up absolutely. Sign up now. Uh, no, it's too late. It's too late. Look at him. Look at him. He's a deer in the headlines. Yeah. And where they go to preschool determines where they go the next. It's step. the That's rest right. of their life. <laughs> if you don't get her in the right preschool, her life is over. Yeah. Well, uh, the public schools are unusable. <laughs> and so I realized that's part of the problem. And we're in Sherman Oaks, and uh, I, I just I just saw the story about the the nearby middle school where Adam Carolla went, Walter Reed Middle mm-hmm. School, mm-hmm. where their funding is getting cut because they have too many white people. Oh yeah, I heard that. I saw that in the paper. What? Yeah, you have, you it's you don't a, get funding if you have if you don't have enough minorities. If if it's if, your minority population has to be seventy yeah. percent or higher, and you and you get all this extra funding, so now they have to lay off all these teachers. And I'm like, so if I send my white kid to a school, her teacher could get fired. Yeah, you, that's what I have to think it, about now. It diminishes the value of the school and worsens the education. Listen, you're going to ruin the neighborhood, I, and that's where Adam Carolla went to middle school. Yeah, and he had a great experience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they so declared... that's the public school situation. Yeah. I don't know. It, because I didn't grow up here, so I don't know about all this. So you stuff. live here too in Pasadena. I live a hundred okay. yards away. Oh, okay. you, can throw, you can throw a rock. So, yeah. oh, okay, so that's how you guys wrote the book. Yeah, oh we, 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 we met on the street. Met oh, on the street, and I started telling him. I started telling him how six celebrities were, and he goes, "We need to document that." I went, "Okay, it's All easy." Right. You tell that to like everyone walking their dog in the neighborhood. <laughs> how sick everybody is. <laughs> yeah. You know what? 
it's pretty obvious at this point. This is back in the day where you really had to peel the curtain. Yeah, back. then then they, <laughs> now they it's were just I, out in the open. Yeah, then there was like resi- he was like didn't believe me even. It was a resistance to the idea that oh no, these people have their shit together. These are these are lives worth living. I just like, saw Mean Girls. That Lindsay Lohan, <laughs> she's so gonna good. be the next Meryl Streep. And then, <laughs> and then I went down to Love Line for two years with Drew and met. 250 celebrities. And their entourages and things. And, and Robin Quivers. Oh, well, he created that whole mess. Do you know that? Yeah. That it was his I, doing. I, it's. Uh, he played, was just being I just honest. Robin. No, Mark. Well, that's what, a problem. Caleb, what yeah. is your understanding of what Mr. Dutch Young did? Uh, she did not know that she was going to be the centerfold no, of your no, book. No, what? no, no. <laughs> D- Dr. Young, Howard, how did Howard seek you out even? Because you, you went on this show before I ever did. I, got a, I was driving in Pasadena one day, and Gary Delabate called me on my cell to phone. Give him, to give the test to, to the To give staff. the test to Howard and okay. his staff. And so he did it, and he told him the results, and also revealed that Robbins was the highest we had gotten so far. Yeah. On the air, right? Yeah, and, and it was in 2006, and she was okay then. It wasn't until we went on the show live in 2009. No, she took issue with us p- putting it in our book, describing it in our book. Yeah, that's right. She that's wanted right, us yeah. to give – she wanted written consent yeah. before we but wrote it she'd given book. us verbal consent. It, we didn't – it didn't even like I, – I, listen, I wish I had consented her. I, you know, I didn't want to upset what, what was she? She got like 105? <laughs> 34. 34. 30, yeah. 34 out of 40. And this is based kind of on the MMPI the questions over and over again. No, no, you? no, no. It's it's a it's a forced, forced. choice. Yeah. We have to pick one of two. I options. need to take it. I'm sure All I'm right. way oh, up there. Well, you I want to beat you. Robin Quivers. I bet you're not way up there because you've you you. Exactly we gave it to Bob. Did we? Well, yeah. how did let's we let's, gave let's, it to let's ask this? I probably did. I was part of the poll, but antisocial personality would reduce narcissism. No. I would think it does. It, it, because you're always arguing the other side of the point, so you're kind of You are, but your point. A negotiator. But you're always it's always your point. <laughs> no, I'm using other people's info too. <laughs> no, but listen, I don't mean you personally. See that's part of the narcissistic thinking is that it's 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 a cluster B disorder. Borderline narcissist, antisocial. It's all a cluster B thing. But doesn't anyone Used in recovery be. kind of skew a little higher? Oh yeah. No, no, they skew lower because they're in recovery. Before they got treatment, they would have higher. Yeah. But isn't there still like a, a sense of self that's a little inflated? Well, as Howard said, Howard Cerny says, I would have been way off the chart if it had been before I went to analysis. And he's right. He had all these narcissistic features. That were, they're, they're bigger. They're more present until you get treatment and they kind of what What AA calls it is pausing. That pausing, when you can see your immediate reaction to something and you can pause, mm-hmm. now you can see your narcissist. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to do anything about it. You could decide, pause... Push go. <laughs> right, right. And it's also still in there. This, it's in still this there. awareness of it mm. that is strange. And eventually you start to just get bored by it. You talk about bored. You just get bored by the same reaction to everything all the time. The, I always have deferred to, I'm going to fight the good fights. And to me, we're at a critical point in America that we're either going to break apart or we're going to have cooler heads and more intelligent and more centrist ideas reign. And it's really crucial for every person to express what where they're coming from, regardless of feeling attacked. I would agree with you. I would you know agree what with I mean? You. Yeah, I think right. we're at this it's next triumph- twenty years yeah. dictates the future of this country. All right, fair enough. We'll leave it at that. I agree with you, Bob. Speak up, speak out, and uh, we'll see you next time. Now we're falling.
Now we're falling for 